Customers today have more power and more information than ever before, so you need to offer them more than info. 73% of people say customer experience is an important factor in buying decisions, but only 49% of U.S. consumers say their customers provide a good experience. So what exactly makes great CX? The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Social number 61. Woo me, damn it. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Extron, industry-leading technology backed by world-class support. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this month's AV Social here on avnation.tv. I'm your host, Dawn Mead. I am not joined this week by my lovely co-host, Kelly. So if you see her between this month and next, give her a hard time. But uh, she will be back next show, I promise. Today, we are going to be talking about something that all of us should be thinking about, customer experience. And I'll get to the whys and wherefores once we introduce our guests, but I'm joined today by Ms. Victoria Ferrari of Conference Technologies. Hi, Victoria. Howdy, Don. Thanks for coming on the show and chatting with me about some uh, user experience, customer experience. Yeah, happy to be here. And I am also joined with someone who is new to me, but she is not new to the folks on those uh, Avixa and commercial integrator trivia contests. One of the, uh, what is it, the Avenging Avengers group? The Avenging All-Stars. The Avenger All-Stars. Ms. Vegeta UG is joining us from New Tech Group. Vegeta, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. So we're here to talk about customer experience today. And the reason we're talking about customer experience is, like me and like everybody else, I'm sure your whole marketing plan at this point all those editorial calendars and media buys and everything that you planned for at the end of 2019 and in the beginning of this year all got thrown out the window with the pandemic. And so all of the marketing folks around the world were kind of like, well, now what? So recently I found this article by Michael Brenner online, and he is a marketing expert and author who was talking about 17 digital marketing trends you need to know for the end of 2020 and to carry us into 2021, especially in light of these crazy times. I'm not going to be talking about all 17 of those tonight. Victoria and Vegeta and I, you know, we don't have time for that, especially not on a show this short. But we are going to talk about his number one point, which is world-class customer experience. And did you know that 73% of people that were surveyed say that a customer experience is an important factor in their buying decisions, but only 49% of U.S. consumers say today's companies provide a good experience. I know we're all sick of the word experience in AV. <laughs> Ask Vixa after their name change, but it truly is something we're very concerned about. Just real quick, uh, off the top of your heads, before we get into what Michael Brunner here says is the definition of customer experience, you know, Victoria, when I say customer experience, wh what does that say to you? Or what, what do you think that even means? Uh, you know, for folks listening are like, I, I don't get it. Yeah, I think, you know, there's um, 
when when you look at customer experience, there's always a factor that you're not going to make everybody happy. But if you do things at a certain level, um, you you should be able to reach the most amount of people um, that you want to reach or or impact or give an experience to. And it it it's it's much more than just you know a conference room working or when I think of customer experience that I've that I personally have like for example I use DoorDash um, and Shift and companies like that and part of the experience is how good is the app on my phone I mean that's how it, that's where it starts and then how easy is it to shop for things or to pick menu items um, and then how quickly do they come and deliver so all of those little things that go into delivering a service or a product to your client that's part of the experience and if you can you know be really focused on uh delivering with excellence at each step i think that that is where you're you'll get into where you're giving your clients the best experience that they can that they can have and and it gets to a point where it elicit feelings you know it's more than just to something to do it's an actual experience and um, if you do it if you do it really well and you and you do it good then customers will come back and you'll start to build a uh, loyalty you know you build that brand loyalty so I think that was uh, me going off on a tangent but that's <laughs> that's what I got to say no that that totally related Vegeta you are with new tech group which is a resi Marshall um, dealer rep firm so you're dealing with a lot of customers. I mean, you're, you're, you're out there talking to the integrators who will be working with customers, but the integrators are also your customers. Do you have possibly a different take on consumer experience or customer experience than, than what Victoria was saying? Or, or, or does it just really all come down to that relationship factor? I mean, well, I'm brand new to being a manufacturing rep. So for manufacturing reps, it is all about relationships. And those relationships that you have with the integrator and that you have with the manufacturing company. And if you're talking to an integrator for the first time, it's that first contact. And then maybe they've gotten something like marketing from the manufacturing company. They're interested in a product. So they want to get more information about it. So you want to make that as smooth as possible, that interaction to get them all that information that they need if they're designing a project or if they're um, working on a conference room like Victoria would be and make sure that the spec sheets or the specification guides and all that are correct and easy to access. Sometimes it is hard to get to it, maybe it's in a Dropbox or behind a locked account. So as a manufacturing rep, you want to have that information easily available to give to your client. And we also provide customer service. That's another part of the customer experience that's very important. Um, you want to make sure you're able to answer any questions, issues, uh, troubleshoot stuff, um, have that knowledge. And if you don't, refer them back to the manufacturer that has that technical knowledge for them. And hopefully at this point, your customer's happy, you've made your sale, you want to still continue with that customer service, maybe follow up with them, check on them, make sure things are working right, and continue that relationship. So during that whole process, hopefully you've got a 100% score on your customer experience. And then, as Victoria said, 
that loyalty will build and they'll come to you regularly. So you've got a retention policy right there that they're going to think you're the expert. I had a great experience. I'm going to do this. Excellent. Uh, folks watching and listening, I did send Victoria and Vegeta this article in advance, but I don't know that they had enough time to dr drill down and dig through a lot of the references in the article. But one of the things referred to in the article under customer experience is a PricewaterhouseCooper consumer intelligence report about customer experience. And I'm going to hold this up to my camera. You probably won't see it real well, but I'll make sure we link it with the article. But this is what people value the most in their customer experience. Now, those dots, they go higher as you go over to the side. And the up and down axis is the percentage of which that factor is worth paying more for. And the right to left is the level of importance for customer experience. And these ones way up here that people think are most important and that are the ones that they are willing to pay more for, they, they, they might as well have paraphrased Vegeta there because the number one is efficiency, number two is convenience, number three is friendly service, number four is knowledgeable service, and then, of course, easy payment. So dead on, Vegeta, like, <laughs> you know exactly what you're talking about there. Um, so... We do want to build this like brand loyalty. You know, Victoria said it, Vegeta said it. Um, if you go back into our Aviation archives a while back, Kelly and I were able to interview Peter Shankman, who is an author and who wrote the book Zombie Loyalists. And that was his whole thesis. That was his whole premise is the idea that once you have a customer that really believes in you and has a great experience with you, you can own that customer to the point where they will do your marketing for you. Um, that, that experience, it means so much to them that they'll go out and do all the research for you or they'll just word of mouth to you. And one of the things that Peter loves to say, if you follow him on Twitter or read his blogs or see him on TV, is that Americans have been, and, and, and around the world, but especially in America, we have been so beaten down by companies that just doing the minimum level of performance that is expected from your, you know, contractual obligation, whether it's, you know, an AV contract or just buying a burger at McDonald's, just the minimum, here's my money, can I have the correct sandwich? The minimum level of competence is viewed as acceptable. And if you do a half a step above that, you are like a wonder company. You know, that, that is what the customer experience is about. And it's pretty sad that we've let ourselves get to that stage where, it's, where we are accepting of so much bad customer experience that, you know, just doing your job is considered a win. But, you know, what are some ideas that we can look at as AV professionals that can help us go from minimum level of competence to let's improve the experience to the point that our customers want to come back to us repeatedly that, that you know, whether is, is it trust building, is it, you know, going out for drinks at Infocom if we ever have them in person again? Is it, you know, what, what are those factors that are, that are the keys, I think, or, or that you think are the keys to unlocking that brand loyalty there? Uh, Vegeta, we'll start with you this time. No, I actually agree with you. Um, so minimal ideas to, improve the experience. 
Um, In-person interaction is always very important. Uh, that's when you're engaging with somebody maybe one-on-one -on -one or in a small group. You find, you know, you kind of create this rapport with each other. Um, you're easy to talk to, work with, and you're friendly, just as the article um, Michael Brenner wrote. And those are the type of people you want to, you know, contact and call and ask questions because you're like, oh, well, I know Victoria. She's great. She's smart. Um, you know, I think I'll call her and ask her a couple of these technical questions. So I think that's a huge one. Trust building is also very important. Um, coming from a manufacturing rep side, the, you can always tell somebody, I don't know the answer, but I'm going to get it for you. Don't ever give an answer or a response that, you know, that's, you don't know. And it's okay to say that. And some people feel like, oh, I have to know this answer or my gosh, you know, I I'm letting them down. And that's not true. As long as you get back to them in a reasonable amount of time, maybe less than 24 hours, you've done a great job. Give yourself a pat on the back on that one. Right. I, I will say this, since I left integration and went to become an end user, I can't tell you how many times I've said to my internal customers at the corporation, hey, I have a buddy who works at a company that does that. Let me give them a call. They'll know exactly what you need or they'll have the answer, you know, and, and so that combination of bringing in the relationship and also knowing when to say you don't know what's up and calling your friends. Exactly. That's, that's how you build it. Victoria, your thoughts? Yeah, um, definitely agree with Vegeta's point there, you know, and um, doing that builds trust, you know, where you set where, where you're okay with your client to say, hey, I don't know the answer, but I'm going to get it for you. And then you deliver on that. That just builds your relationship even more. I think um, some of the other things like you showed on the graph, um, convenience, knowledgeability, efficiency, make it easy to do business with you. You know, um, I, I, in my past life worked for a company that did not make it easy very easy for clients. It was like, you have to sign this, you know, 100 page document that nobody reads, that doesn't make any sense that, you know, um, and it's going to take us two weeks to review it once you've signed it. And then you've, we've got to countersign it and that's going to take it, you know, make it easy to do business. That's like number one rule I think is make it easy to do business with you. Um, Shut up and take my money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It can't be that hard. Um, but the other thing too, like looking at it from a marketing lens, uh, one thing that I really find valuable is companies that have consistency across their messaging, whether it's their social channels or data sheets that they put out or their website. Um, and then when you finally do talk to someone, you know, having like a consistent kind of, um, I don't, I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but, um, you know, messaging, I think that that helps prove your trustworthiness and also makes it easy to do business with you too. Um, another thing like, uh, Vegeta mentioned earlier, having a website that's easy to use, especially as an integrator, because now AV technologies, you know, there's like five different DSPs that all pretty much do the same thing. I mean, what's, you know, the, really the big difference, there's really not a whole lot of big differences between display manufacturers, for example. But I automatically will go with XYZ because I know I can quickly find the spec sheet or find the latest model of a certain size display and without even thinking. So you want to get your clients to, without even thinking, that they go to you. Um, 
like it's it's just a habit and you know the more you prove your trustworthiness the more um, you're consistent in your messaging um, they the more they find it easy to do business with you they'll keep coming back right you know I, I'm I'm sorry I'm gonna reveal my age here somewhat but this is not new people if you're watching or listening nothing we're saying so far is new I started in this industry in like 1998 and around 1999 is when I first kind of started being heard outside of our little local region within the industry. And I, I can't remember the exact year, but it was in the early, the late 90s or early 2000s. I actually wrote something that Gary Kay published before Rave was Rave. It was Kay News back then about PDFs, which was this newfangled thing. And companies were like, well, I don't think we need to put that on our website. And it's like, no, no. Make it easy for us as integrators and our end users to do business with you. We need the PDF. We also need the HTML of your points because we might not have the time and back then the dial-up to open the PDF on site. You know, we want to be able to access the information quickly and in as many formats as possible. And companies that listen to that and make it easy to get info, they're companies I'm going to use. So uh, I'm going to not really change subject because both of you have brought this up, but when we were talking about, you know, keeping your customers happy, I mean, that's what customer experience is all about. As marketing people and as salespeople, it always seems to be our bosses are saying, hey, we need new customers. Let's get some more customers. Let's get our foot in the door over here. Let's get our foot in the door over there. And for years, you know, folks in marketing have known acquiring a new customer can cost five times more than retaining an existing customer. And I've got some stats here on my, on my phone as we're talking. It says increasing customer retention by just 5% will increase your profits from 25 to 95%. And the success rate of selling to a customer you already have can be 60 to 70%, while the success rate of selling to new customers is usually somewhere in the neighborhood of 5 to 20%. CEOs and, and higher-ups, if you're watching or listening to this, those are some numbers you shouldn't ignore. <laughs> like, let's talk about how to keep those existing customers happy to get repeat business. Um, I know my own company, now I can't say who I work for, but it's a very large multinational company, and we have a lot of vendors. We have a lot of integrators and a lot of manufacturers that we do business with. And it's real easy, I've discovered, now that I'm on this side of the fence, to see where occasionally the integrators or the, or the manufacturers might get a little lazy. They might say, oh, we've got them. They're our customer. Let's focus on the new guys. And then attention to detail creeps or the price goes up or they think they can get away with bumping up the, the percentages, you know, your, your, your points and stuff. And we catch on to that, you know, and it makes us less likely to use you in the future. Is there some way that to, I mean, I don't know how to say this, but I'm an end user now. Is there some way to convince all of you integrators out there and you manufacturers out there to like pay attention to the customer's needs and not take us for granted? Like anybody jump in? <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely a no-brainer, right? It should be. It should um, be. <laughs> I mean, I love those stats, right? I always knew that. I didn't know those exact numbers, but I always, I mean, was in the front of my mind that, like, it's way easier to 
keep a customer that it is. And, and I think AV and the AM asked a question similar to that um, this Sunday. And yeah, it's definitely, it's easier to keep an existing client than it is to get a new one. And it costs less to keep an existing client, but to keep the client, you have to put effort in. You can't just, you know, forget about them or not pay attention to detail or slowly increase the price to them. I mean, that's, that's the wrong way to keep them, you know? Um, so yeah, I don't know what the magic answer is there, Don. I mean, <laughs> make everyone listen to our show and then make them follow it. <laughs> Yeah, that is true. I mean, the way you just described it, it sounds like a marriage. And it sounds like they've been together for a few years or a while, maybe at this point, and they're getting a little bit lazy. And they're not, you know, maybe bringing you flowers like they should be or courting you like they used to. And they're maybe slacking on their chores or something like that. That's what I'm seeing right there. So you got to kind of rekindle that magic with your you know, existing customers. And you don't want to let them have a negative experience. And if you're not focusing on detail and you're pushing the prices up and you're not telling the customer why, then they're going to think that there's something dishonest going on here or a lack of communication or a miscommunication. And we all know if you want a happy life, you got to have a happy wife. <laughs> so... In this case, if you want a happy profit line, you need to have a happy client. Yeah. Exactly. That's and a I great analogy, that I like that. That is a great analogy. And as a divorce chick, uh, <laughs> I'm the customer now. Will me, damn it. Bring me flowers. Yeah. I think you guys need to bring Dawn some flowers and some candy and her favorite you know, music and books. And she will be a definite happy end user. Yeah, for sure. Um, so here's the thing, you know, we've talked about this in previous shows, but it's 2020 now for better, or for worse. And customers are more educated than ever before. Not just because AV has come out of the shadows and we're part of IT and, and, you know, people see us more often and not just because the whole world is using Zoom because of a virus, but, you know, we're out of the shadows because the internet has made it so easy for customers to get information. And we are more educated and therefore more powerful than ever before. Back in the old days, if you wanted to buy a piece of AV equipment, we had to wait for a Victoria or a Vegeta or a local integrator, you know, Ted AV, whoever, to show up at our door, knock, knock, and bring us a product to show us how it works and convince us just why we need this fabulous gadget in our company. That's not true anymore. Aside from the stuff coming from home, the residential stuff making its way into the boardroom, we're also having, dealing with customers who research things online. You know, prior to the internet, people would have somewhere between one and five what they call touch points before they would actually make a purchase. Touch points being a call to a company that sells something that you need, uh, talking with a sales manager, taking a test drive if it's a car or a demo if it's a piece of technology. You know, just a small handful and then, okay, we're going to make this investment, buy this product, or eh, I think we'll pass. The number of touch points before sale now has increased exponentially because end users, not just people like me that came from AV 
into the end user role, but even end users that never did AV in their lives. They can research, they can look things up, they can check out online reviews, they can do comparisons side by side of different products, not just at trade shows, but different websites and reviewing sites. And this kind of education that, you know, there could be a hundred or more touch points before you even know that there's a potential sale there because they don't pick up the phone and call you until they've done their homework and they've done their research and they don't wait for you to tell us how great your product is. They figure it out and then if they're interested, they come to you. Uh, Vegeta, how do you think that this changes the way you as a rep or as a salesperson, as a marketing person has to relate to the customer experience wise to make a sale when you know the old model is, hey, let me tell you about my cool new product. We know. <laughs> Now what? Oh, that is so true right now. Um, right now, I was going to say value added as a person that is knowledgeable. Yes, I can tell you, you know, it has 10 widgets versus 15 widgets, but now you have to add that value added perspective that you're a live person. So you can maybe talk about the exact site that they're putting it in. So we can go through, well, let's do a site walk together. Computer can't do that. That's an in-person thing that has to be done with a person that's knowledgeable. Um, there's probably personalization that comes into play now. Uh, this company or this end user, maybe, you know, they could be a C-suite person, a CEO, or they could be just, you know, regular, you know, Joe who's looking online and wanting to buy something. And personalization, I think, counts for that factor. This is Joe going to use it the same as the CEO? Maybe not. So you want to make sure that you tell him those points that are going to impress Joe. Like, well, this one has voice control. It's easy to use. And maybe it's one touch button to uh, access that. And for the CEO guy, you're like, well, it, you can program it to do maybe some automation or something for him. His TV is going to come on. His um, teleconference system will switch on all with the touch of a button. So it's depending on how he's using that and you can personalize it to them. Right. And I was going to think of a third thought, but I, I don't have anything. Because <laughs> usually things are better in threes. But Well, yeah, but those were two brilliant points. We don't need a third one. That's fine. There we go. Yeah. So yeah, we, you know, those are great points on why, you know, how we can go above and beyond just, hey, here's our cool product. Because our customers now have so many touch points behind them, they're almost at what Google calls the ZMOT or the zero moment of truth. And that's the buying moment. That's the, here's my card, take my money. You know, uh, Victoria, what, how, how else should marketing folks approach this? If, if they're either ready to buy or not ready to buy, you know, maybe you've got Vegeta's third point. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but um, I think for sure, you know, uh, sales and marketing also, it's everything's a much more complex sale, right? So when you have a highly educated client and you have, you know, you're highly, you're obviously more educated than them, but, um, you know, putting those two together, they can clash sometimes, right? So I'm, I'm full-time in sales and, you know, it's sometimes I find myself in, in a room, you know, with IT manager, IT director, even CIO, and they're, you know, if they're really like into AV and they've done some DIY stuff at home, you know, they want to tell me about all these things that they know about. And I'm like, that's great, you know. And what I like to do is shift the conversation 
away from the technology and talk more about use case and their business goals and what clients are they serving and what are they actually going to do in this room? Who's going to sit in this room? Um, you know, are you having outside people come in and you're presenting to them or um, is this a room full of engineers? You know, they need different kinds of tools. Right. So I think that helps a little bit is, you know, steer the conversation away from getting in too much in the weeds of the technology. Cause I have some clients that are like, Oh, yay, they love it. And they love the shiny stuff and they want to talk about it. Other clients are like, they don't care at all. Most of them are, you know, they don't, they don't want to know about the speaker impedance or, you know, you don't um, care about the, your black boxes. What have you yeah, done for me lately? Lambert's on the, on the projection screen, even though I want to tell them, um, <laughs> But so I think it's important to another point, which I'm sure that has been brought up on the show is, you know, as marketing people, people are looking for information. And if you're out there, you know, you can't just be promoting yourself, right? So if you're putting out there good information, that's free information, they're going to keep coming back to you. Oh yeah. I found that information on this site. Oh look, they're offering, you know, this thing that goes with this. So, um, yeah. Fantastic. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like uh, what Michael Brunner, the author of this whole article that kicked off the discussion said, you know, the priority has moved towards providing fantastic customer experiences that keep bringing people back for more. When you focus on building a positive business culture and providing great service, the marketing takes care of itself. Now, we've talked quite a bit there on, on, on the providing great service in our discussion. Uh, real quick, as we're running out of time, that positive business culture. Now, that's something I bet a lot of the CEOs and, and, and managers and even the marketing folk listening to this podcast, watching this podcast, hadn't really thought about. How does our business culture relate to a customer experience? And, um, and I'll, I, I definitely want to talk to Victoria because I know you have some great business culture at uh, Conference Technologies, but, you know, you as the salesperson, you as the marketing person, even you as the CEO or CFO or what have you, you're not the main person that your customer deals with on the regular basis. Who does your customer deal with that, that gives them this impression of your company and this great experience? It's your install techs, it's your design engineers, it's your service techs that, that call on the, you know, answer the phone. It's the people that are going out there. It, it could be your receptionist answering the phone and saying, how, how you doing? Or what do you want? Like in Ghostbusters, you know, it, those are the folks that are really making a difference and really contacting and, and, and serving as further touch points for your company to your customers. Um, Victoria. Give us some ideas. What what can companies do to improve their own positive business culture and their own company culture to sort of help carry that over? Because when you give your give your employees a great view of the company, they're going to share that with the customers. They're going to carry that into the field. Yeah, absolutely, and a hundred percent agree. You know, um, I've I've had uh, leaders at at my company tell me. You know, CTI is run by our techs and our PMs, and those are the people that are in front of the client, you know, a lot. I mean, they spend hours on site, right? And so, I mean, going back to consistent 
uh, messaging. The same thing when you when you pick up the phone or when you call a company and the receptionist, you know, you talk to the receptionist. You want to have the same kind of the same kind of feeling, the same kind of story, the same you know information from that person as you do if you were to talk to the CEO of the company. And I think that's something that CTI has done really well is to unify our messaging that no matter who. And, and we also have like internal meetings, like for projects and stuff so that, you know, we make sure that we're all on the same page, even for service tickets sometimes for larger clients. It's like, okay, so if the client calls me, they're going to get the same story as if they called, you know, the tech one that's going out there. Um, so it's, it's important to unify your message uh, so that you're giving that consistent front to your client. And then moreover, as far as the company culture, you know, I think marketing people are so, I love marketing. Like I'm obsessed with it. I, I, I would love to be in marketing, but I like sales too. Um, and, but what I love about marketing when I see like other companies that have really good marketing um, is the creative side of it. Right. And so I love that um, uh, marketers not only market to the outside world, but also market the company internally. Um, like what we do here at CTI, um, one of the things we do is a weekend update. It's called weekend update. And every week um, we have like a little news, you know, it's like five, 10 minutes of what happened at CTI this week. And it's a different branch that will um, present, you know, and they'll do something funny or, you know, we also do shout outs um, and that can be shout outs that our customers have given to us or shout outs just internally to other team members. Um, you know, having unified, we have a, a digital signage, you know, we eat our own dog food. Um, we're, we sell this stuff to our clients to, to, to help them be more productive, to help them, you know, have unified messaging within their organization. And, um, and so we, we're a testament to what we're selling, um, which I think is really cool. Um, yeah. Uh, Victoria, that's great. Those are some fantastic points and some great culture, it sounds like, at Conference Technologies. Vegeta, I know you are shiny new at uh, New Tech Group, but um, maybe not just there, but in your career. Have you been places where there's been this positive business culture that empowers you to be the face of the company better for your, for your customers and improve their experience? So yes, my experience is different from uh, Victoria's. She works for a fairly large company. Um, New Tech Group is under 10 people. But what I really love about them is that even though the company was started in the 1980s, um, they're well-known uh, manufacturing reps. But there's also, even though there's less than 10 people, everyone knows each other. And the president answers the phone. You know, other people answer the phone. I'm going to be on the phone soon, eventually. And I really enjoy the fact that he allows everyone to speak their mind. So currently we have a manager's or uh, a meeting in the morning on Mondays and they switched it to zoom just for me. So that way I can see and interact with them and respond, which I thought was wonderful because they told me that their conferences used to just be on the phone and they weren't able to see each other's expressions. And I was like, wow, that's, that's amazing. The president of the company switched something so I could feel involved and feel part of the team, even though I'm so far away from the team. And that was just something really amazing. And I also like the fact that he allows each team member to, to have a vote on something. Although he, of course, has alt, you know, power to veto all of our votes since he's the president. 
Um, Good to be the king, right? Yeah, yeah, it is good to be the king. (laughs) But I see him using this with his customers and everyone who calls in is so excited to talk to whoever their representative is. And you can feel that warmth over the phone from them that they're really excited to talk to Brett. They're really excited to talk to Chris or Chad. And I feel like I'm hoping, you know, as I progress in my career, that one day somebody's going to call and they're going to be super excited to talk to me too. And happy customers make, you know, great um, brand ambassadors for the, you know, vendors you represent or just being that manufacturing rep. And they're also influencers. They'll tell other people about their positive experience with a brand or with a vendor or with a rep. Absolutely. Uh, you know, prior, after leaving my last AV integrator and prior to joining the company where I am now, I had a very, very brief period where I worked for a company that made digital signage, made and sold. So they were kind of an integrator, kind of a manufacturer. But this company, small local business here in the Baltimore area, had fantastic company culture with company parties. We'd have breakfast month. We'd have uh, literally the day I started at the company was a solar eclipse and I was able to be there for the solar eclipse barbecue. And they had a catered barbecue for all the employees and we had special glasses and we could all go outside and eat our ribs and watch the, the solar eclipse. And if you'll pardon me for one second. Wrong one. Oh, that's the wrong one too. I can't find it on my business shelf, but the company literally wrote and published a book called Their Keys to Success. And it was a set of ideas, parables, thoughts, and practices that everybody who worked at that company, whether you were a salesperson, a designer, an actual assemblyman on the assembly line, everybody bought into these keys and experienced that culture and took them out into the world for our customers. And the experience working there and our customers, they, they loved working there. And it so empowered all their employees that they could go out and tweet or they could go out and put on Facebook or LinkedIn or what have you, how wonderful the company was, how great the community loved them with all of their community involvement and activism. And I mean, they brought Santa Claus to the local parade in town every year uh, at the holidays. Their company sponsored enough of the parade that they brought Santa. So, you know, those sorts of things, don't take them lightly, folks listening or watching, because that can help you bring world-class customer experience to your customers and keep them coming back for more. And if we'd learn nothing else this show, it's bring them back. Keep them coming. You know, we don't want to go out and like mine for new people. Just bring them back. Um, I believe that we are almost out of, we're out of time. So I want to especially thank Victoria and Vegeta, our lovely two V ladies. Um, last minute, this has been a crazy week. Kelly couldn't be here. Our scheduled guest for this month is coming up in a future month because they couldn't be here. And I hit up these two ladies at Trivia Night the other night and said, oh, please come and be on the show with me. And they both so graciously agreed so the very least we can do is let them rep themselves in their companies. Uh, Vegeta, we'll start with you. Where can folks find you on Twitter or LinkedIn or, or your company? Anything. Go ahead and pimp, your, pimp yourself there. <laughs> I pimp myself. Um, so if you're looking for me, my name is Vegeta UG with New Tech Group. And you can find me on LinkedIn or on Twitter. And my handle is views underscore by underscore V. 
and connect with me and I would love to talk to you. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming. And of course, Victoria, the original SPOAV. <laughs> yeah, hashtag SPOAV. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Victoria0429, or I'm on LinkedIn, and the company I work for, Conference Technologies, Inc. And you can find us um, on the internet, just Google Conference Technologies, and we're the first one to come up. Awesome. Thank you both again so much for coming and pulling my biscuits out of the fire this month. We appreciate having you, and we would love to have you both back again. Everyone watching and listening, as usual, I am Dawn Mead, AV Dawn, on the Twitters and the LinkedIn and the, and the, the everything. If, it, if I'm not Dawn Mead, I'm AV Dawn. You can find me there. Uh, you can't find me at work because that's a secret. I'm not going to tell you. But I can tell you, you can always find me here at avnation.tv, avnation.tv, home of AV Social and a number of of other fine podcasts and special shows. Please visit our site, check out our blogs, visit our writers, and especially visit our sponsors page because without those folks who underwrite our shows, we wouldn't be here to talk to such lovely people as Victoria and Vegeta on such great topics. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And this has been AV Social. <laughs> <laughs>